The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The horses are at the gate. And they're off! Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. And welcome to another edition of winningponies.com, trying to bring you the best of the best in thoroughbred racing information and guests. And we certainly went to the top of the riding colony, there's no doubt about it, with us tonight, two-time Eclipse Award winner Ramon Dominguez will be with us in the first segment. And then after that, a friend of mine from down in Lexington who's uh, quite a handicapper. He gives us often seminars at Keeneland Racecourse. Uh, his name is Les Instone. If you go to handicapping contacts in the bluegrass area, you've obviously run into Les. So he's going to break down... Uh, kind of the overall racing scene of what's happening, and then we've picked out uh, several good races from Oaklawn and Gulfstream Park. Well, it was about two hours after we talked last week that Zenyatta delivered a Colt, and uh, so far, so good. Now, according to some reports, this Colt weighed 130 pounds. Now, just to put that in perspective, I was 130 pounds when I went to college, but uh, anyhow, obviously, uh, the folding went fantastic. Uh, Jerry and Ann Moss were actually there on the, the farm, and of course, uh, they're just so proud. that You can catch videos of Zenyatta and her colt out in the field on uh, several different websites. Uh, it's a thing to see. It looks like she's really turned in to be uh, an amazing mom. And uh, good-looking Colt, too. Uh, everybody says it kind of looks like her. Um, they uh, say they've got similar head and hips. Uh, he's good size, not huge, leggy, scopy, and he's nice that way. They said he has nice length, and they expect him to be about 16 hands when he's fully grown. And But they did say he ended up being bigger than we thought and needed a little help pushing out at 130 pounds. I can certainly understand that. Now, a lot of people are wondering... Uh, are they going to uh, breed back to Bernardini, or uh, will uh, they go to another stallion? Well, Jerry Moss is kind of superstitious, so we wanted to make sure that the, the Fole and Zenyatta were okay before he made a final decision. I guess we're going to know in the next couple of weeks. Well, earlier this week, I was really excited on Saturday uh, to pick up the paper and see that Animal Kingdom had an easy turf workout uh, looking for him to uh, go and race in Dubai. Uh, that was on Saturday. They were bragging about uh, uh, how easy his workout was. And then on Sunday, the news came that Animal Kingdom out of the Dubai World Cup with a leg issue. Uh, he came up lame from that work. Uh, on Tuesday, he underwent a nuclear scan at the Palm Beach Equine Medical Center. 
and they say it was a start of a stress fracture to his hind end and it won't require surgery, but it's going to definitely take some time off for the Derby winner. Uh, it sounds like the horse will stay in his stall for a month. He'll be grazed every day, and then eventually they're going to transfer him to the Team Valor Barn at the Fairhill Training Center, where he'll be for a couple of months uh, and have very limited activity. Uh, Barry Irwin did say that he will then return to full training. Uh, uh, Irwin said that uh, Team Valor's interest is to run the horse for another year. They're going to wait and make the decision uh, by September. Uh, So if he is going to be retired, they'll have plenty of chance to promote him. But uh, basically, Irwin was saying that Graham Motion and I uh, think we should have him good enough by September to have an idea of whether or not he's the same horse in training. And if he is, we prefer to run him another year and target in the Dubai World Cup. That would be excellent news uh, to see him uh, come back, I guess, at five. Um, some other reports of uh, some horses that uh, may be on the sidelines. Uh, Spring Hill, as you know, uh, was a big horse coming out of the Pletcher Barn. He finished fourth in the March 10th Tampa Bay Derby. And if you look at a photo of the start of the Derby, you can see that he fell to the ground right after the starting gate. And, most likely, that's where he suffered the injury. He was sent off the two-to-one favorite. Quite frankly, if he was injured, he still ran a big race, considering the extent of the injury uh, by finishing uh, fourth. And, of course, everybody's uh, disappointed, and uh, they do believe that uh, he'll be able to come back into training exactly when nobody knows. Another horse off the Derby Trail out on the West Coast. It was uh, Fed Biz. Uh, who was a very impressive winner his last two starts. Uh, he's been diagnosed with a hind end issue. Uh, this son of Giants Causeway sold for $950,000 at the Keeneland September yearling sale. He was really looking good off those last two efforts. And uh, he was scheduled to run in the San Felipe Stakes, but withdrawn several days before. Well, another individual that we hope comes back from injury soon was supposed to come back last week was Garrett Gomez. He actually did come back and get in the saddle, uh, but uh, he said he was just experiencing too much pain. As you recall, it was a freak kind of paddock accident where a horse uh, came back on him. He came off the horse and uh, he had uh, 10 screws and a plate inserted into uh, his uh, heel uh, for the multiple fractures uh, so he says he's going to give it another week, and there's more pain. Um, he was hopeful that he was going to come back uh, to ride this weekend. So good luck to Garrett Gomez. We do hope he makes it back. Well, if you get HBO, it looks like you're out of luck. HBO issued a statement just yesterday saying it had decided to cancel production of the horse racing drama Luck after a horse that was part of the series died the day before at Santa Anita. Uh, sad to say, I mean, it's always a tragic thing, but this did not have anything really to do with the production of the series Luck. It, it was uh, the horse reared as it was being led back to her barn. She fell and, and struck her head, and, of course, she had to be euthanized. It was the third horse on the set of the HBO series that had to be euthanized, and uh They were uh, very upset. Uh, The statement was that it was with heartbreak that executive producers David Milch and Michael Mann uh, have decided to cease all future production on the series Luck. 
They were immensely proud of the series, the writing, the acting, the filmmaking, the celebration of the culture of horses, and everyone involved in its creation. As a matter of fact, uh, HBO was working on the second series, which starred uh, Dustin Hoffman, and uh, sad to say it will not happen. Uh, the final two episodes, if you have been watching, uh, will air March 18th and 25th. So it looks like HBO is going to be out of luck. All right. Well, last week, as you recall, about this time, we were talking with our friend Lenny Shulman, and we broke down some uh, very interesting uh, races that uh, may launch some horses into the Kentucky Derby on the first Saturday of May. One of the first ones was the Tampa Bay Derby, grade two, 350,000. And uh, the winner at three to one was prospective. Um, he uh, caught the, the pace setter into the turn. Uh, he uh, looked very good. Now, this was uh, another one of those angles that we, we that uh, is, if you listen to the show, you know, is one of my favorites. Uh, the horse switched to blinkers on and then showed a very solid workout prior to this race. Uh, Perspective uh, likes the course, uh, ran second to battle-hardened in the Sam Davis. And uh, a big effort was by the runner-up, who was golden ticket, uh, Kenny McPeak, who's been kind of quiet on the three-year-old scene this year, uh, trains this horse. So uh, we'll uh, see if uh, Kenny can't somehow come up with enough graded earnings to, uh, to get a horse into this year's Kentucky Derby, a big effort by Golden Ticket, who uh, had just broken its maiden at Gulfstream Park. Um, the next race that Lenny and I looked at was the Palm Beach, grade three, 150,000. Now, this is for three-year-olds, but it was on the turf. Certainly doesn't mean that they can't make the switch with all the surface switches we see these days. And it was just a beautiful ride by Johnny V. Uh, I know you, that you heard Lenny say that the way that this race set up this horse, drawing the rail, it had just gone wire to wire in the kitten's joy on the turf at Gulfstream Park, that uh, this horse was going to be very tough, and he wasn't kidding. Uh, John Velasquez uh, took this grand motion trainee in second the whole time. Now, this horse usually runs on the lead. Took him back in, in second but did not give the leader the chance to uh, move over. The leader was Scorcher, the horse just to the outside of him. And uh, he uh, had a lot of early speed, but Johnny always made sure that he had just enough room on the inside uh, with how great. Uh, a, after that, he pulled away, was very, very impressive. Running second was Doolahan. Now, this is a horse that, uh, trained by Dale Romans that is uh, the half to, to mind that bird, the Kentucky Derby winner, and this was its layoff race. It, it hadn't raced since the Breeders' Cup Juvenile where it ran fourth, six lengths behind uh, Hanson and Union Rags. Now, uh, I, we thought that it was kind of interesting that the horse does have graded stakes uh, earnings, uh, won the Breeders' Futurity at Keeneland, and... Romans already stated that this horse was probably going to go to the bluegrass next. So the horse is going to be going back to Keeneland on the same surface that he won the Breeders' Futurity. Was this a tune-up? We'll find out. But if you saw the way that, that Kent DeSormo rode him, the horse really wasn't abused. And this may be a very, very tight for the bluegrass stake. So keep an eye on that. Write that down. 
Doolahan, when he gets to Keeneland, Dale Romans, one sharp trainer. Then we went out to Santa Anita, and we looked at the San Felipe, and we said that this might have been the strongest of the three-year-old races that we were going to look at last week. And uh, Lenny and I kind of came down to a toss-up. I was leaning a little bit towards Bob Baffert's Bodemeister, and he was liking Mike Harrington's creative cause. Well, Lenny got me at the wire with this one. Uh, creative cause looking very impressive. Uh, he now has a lifetime record of seven starts, four wins, a second and two-thirds, and it looks like there's a good chance he will be a derby-bound creative cause um, running down Bodie Meister. Bodie Meister was very game, though. I have to say, for a horse that was only making his third lifetime start, uh, looked very, very good. Uh, so we will uh, see, a, a pretty sure, a rematch of those two horses. There have been indicated that they will both meet again in the Santa Anita Derby. And the last race uh, that Lenny and I looked at that was the Seven Furlong Swale. You're not sure if these horses are sprinters or if there's a chance that they're going to stretch out to the derby distance. But uh, going from flag fall to that's all was Trinenberg. And Trinenberg, another horse on winningponies.com, there where that angle raised its head, blinkers off and shows two bullet works for trainer Biznath Parbu. And the angle worked again. Uh, Willie Martinez in the saddle broke on top, never looked back, won by six lengths in the swale. Uh, running second was long shot, hello, Prince. Uh, ever so lucky was the six to five favorite and just did not fire. Jonathan Shepard's going to have to uh, re gear this horse who was second in the Jockey Club stakes behind Gemologist. Uh, Gemologist will be very interesting uh, to see what happens with him because he's going to show up in an allowance race at Gulfstream Park tomorrow, but he sure as all heck uh, didn't get in awful easy. That's going to be a heck of a race, and I do believe that uh, Les and I will be talking about that race a little bit later in the show when we handicap. Well, until then, we're going to take a little break, and when we come back, we're going to be talking to two-time Eclipse Award-winning jockey Ramon Dominguez on winningponies.com. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Listen to Sports Talk at the Positive Pub every Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Gil Tyree talks to sports newsmakers, playmakers, and story breakers. You, the hardcore, interactive, and novice fan, can join the show via your phone calls and emails. Sample what's good, right, and positive about the world of sports every week. Begin your week in a positive way with Sports Talk from the Positive Pub. Be here every Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. 
Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, back to Winning Ponies it is. And with us, one of the winningest pony riders in the history of the game. Uh, he began riding horses at the age of 16 in his native Venezuela. I believe it started out in show jumping. We'll hear more about that. And then, of course, he came over to the United States at Hialeah in 1996. Didn't take him long before he was grabbing headlines. In 2001, he was the winningest jockey in the United States, which he repeated in 2003. Uh, he's ridden some of the, the greatest horses in modern-day racing. And in the last two years, has been on stage accepting his uh, Eclipse Awards as uh, the leading rider in the United States. With me right now, ladies and gentlemen, Ramon Dominguez. Thank you so much for being on the show, Ramon. Thank you for having me, Tom. Um, Ramon, tell me, I, I don't know much about racing in Venezuela or how you started out. Were you from a family? Uh, uh, did you have a farm? Did your family have horses? Tell us how you started out. No, no, I mean, nobody in my family has ever been involved with horses in any way. And um, the only thing my dad did was uh, he had, back back in the days, um, the big game in Venezuela was like the big six. And uh, he had a, like an off-track betting facility where on the weekends he had to physically take this machine that people would gamble the big six with uh, to the racetrack. And um, I remember from the first time, I probably was like 13, that I went, to the restaurant with him and, and watch a live race. Right, right then and there, I, I knew that this is what I wanted to do for a living. I wanted to be a jockey, and uh, that's how it started. And um, at the time, I believe my parents probably thought there was something uh, just in the heat of the moment that I really wanted to ride here races, but they didn't think that it was going to become something so serious where um, as I got a little older, I one day remember telling them that I really wanted to go and, and learn how to ride racehorses, and they weren't too happy about it. I mean, of course, <laughs> I guess there is a fear of the danger involved with the sport, and they kind of tried to guide me more towards show jumping, which uh, I ended up doing for like a year, and uh, after that, I started going and riding uh, racehorses at a show, uh, training center close by, but they were fully supported right after that. Now, Ramon, I know uh, so many... Uh, Peruvian riders uh, have come out of the jockey school down there. Was there a jockey school in Venezuela, or did you just have to go out on your own at the racetrack? Yeah, I mean, there has been uh, riding schools. Like, they have what they call like a promotion, and um, they teach the, the riders. I'm not sure if it takes one or two years for them to, to learn. And it's a group of riders. Um, I believe Javier Castellano came out of riding school and uh, also Eibar Coa. Uh, unfortunately, when I started riding, uh, when I wanted to be a jockey, um, there was no such. And uh, so the only other way to do is that uh, you go to a training center like I did, and then from there I moved to a um, like a bush track, an uh, unrecognized race track where um, I rode a handful of races, and then from there uh, I was able to get a license and go sort of to the big leagues in Venezuela, the national um, race track, which uh, that, that was kind of the difficult way of doing it because um, you're really right away competing against the Germans and people who have a lot of experience and of course you're suffering versus when you go to the riding school, usually the same kids that come out of your promotion ride for X amount of time until you're ready to go in with the Germans. 
Now, you came to the United States in 1996 and started at Hialeah. Uh, what, was it a difficult time starting out, or did you have some connections over here that helped you? Oh, I, um, the agent that I had at the time uh, was uh, from Venezuela, and um, I was just with, well, for a short amount of time with him. And uh, then from there, I um, started working with uh, Gilgrayo, one of the top agents in Florida. And uh, it was difficult in the beginning. Um, I wasn't really riding too many good horses, but then again, I was uh, very, very green. And uh, uh, it was just a learning experience to me. And uh, at the time, I really didn't feel like I was... Uh, struggling or I was uh, really going through a hard, hard time at all. I was really just enjoying and uh, learning at the same time. And uh, from day one, uh, my experience being here at the States has been great, um, not only outside the chart, but mainly, I mean, more when I focus on my, on my, like, my career, it, it doesn't really get any better than this racing. So um, it, it was really very exciting for me to be competing here. Well, really, I mean, in, in only five years, Ramon, you went from just breaking in at Hialeah uh, to becoming the winnest, winningest jockey in the country. Um, to what do you owe, owe your success? Because that's really kind of a, a brief period to go uh, from just entering the country to, to becoming the top rider. Well, I have to say, I mean, before anything, my agent, for sure. Um, my agent, Steve Roshan, which uh, he was working with Edgar Prado prior to having my book, and um, they um, have a great amount of success in Maryland. And um, that's where I, once we hooked up and we were working together, we were um, really riding mainly in Maryland, Delaware area, where he had a lot, a lot of connections. So I'm sure if you ask him, uh, he will tell you that, of course, we counted with the support of all the trainers and owners from that area, which is in part two, but... Um, uh, without a doubt, I mean, his work ethics and, and the, his knowledge on the game uh, really kind of put me on, on a different level in, in a matter of just a few years, and uh, he, he really has done it for me. Well, he has to get to the horses, but you have to have the talent, and obviously that talent's gotten you to two Eclipse Awards. I was lucky enough to be watching the Eclipse Awards uh, this year, Ramon, and I was really impressed with your uh, presentation, how you seem to uh, you, you seem to take all the responsibility and put it on other people. Uh, the fact that you talked about uh, the grooms, the people that get the horse ready. I mean, these are people that a lot of times don't get recognized in an awards uh, situation. That really was a class act. Oh, thank you, Mister. It's really a, a teamwork. I mean, so many behind the scenes. Um, efforts that I go unrecognized, but really, at the end of the day, they really make the difference between winning and losing. And unfortunately for them, a lot of times the people who are in the spotlight, where it's a trainer, the jockey, really gain the most recognition. When uh, in fact, it's really too many, too many people to mention briefly. You know. Well, obviously, Ramon, it was not a one-time thing where where you've complimented and uh, other people for for your success and that you treated yourself with total class because just uh, not too long ago it was announced that, that you won the George Wolf Award. Now, the George Wolf Award honors riders whose career and personal character earns esteem for the individual and for the sport of thoroughbred horse racing. This isn't about wins, the George Wolf Award. I mean, you, you've now put yourself 
in, in a category going back to my earlier days with uh, Manny Villacasa, Braulio Bayeza, uh, Chris McCarron, and Eddie Delahousse, and of course. Uh, people from your generation, uh, Garrett Gomez, Calvin Burrell, and, and John Velasquez. Uh, does winning the George Wolf Award uh, uh, feel different than winning a riding award? Uh, absolutely. I mean, this was a, an award that was extra rewarding to me. Uh, as you mentioned, you know, it's no the fact that you're being judged not only on your personal achievements out on the track, but more importantly. On your personal character, to me, you, you and also the fact that that, it, that the voting is done by your peers, uh, that was special. Uh, it really it means a lot to me, and uh, that's one award that I'm very proud of. <laughs> and you, and you sh- you should be. Uh, you know, you, the sport needs a lot more R- Ramon Dominguez's. Now, uh, I need to turn the page here and 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 talk about uh, a few of the. Uh, the horses that that you're on. Uh, luckily, uh, your agent did a good job in lobbying Mike Maker to to get you aboard Hanson, a horse that I, I wonder. Did you have questions going into the Breeders' Cup because he had only won his his other races uh, on Poly Track at, at Turfway Park? Well, I, I mean, I was realistically hopeful, and um, I knew it was a tough task. Um, the horse had a Front running style, which um, going the distance, uh, it, it was. I mean, any way you look at it, it was definitely not, not an easy task by any means. And um, the talent was there. Um, a lot of people say, "Well, he really le- ran against lesser horses," which is true, in fact, uh, in, in part. But at the same time, uh, the way he dominated in both of his stars, and uh, uh, he was sort of in the barn of Michael Maker, who is a guy that is a very good trainer and. Uh, so that gave me a sense of uh, relief, and I, I was very optimistic that the horse would run good. Uh, as it turned out, I mean, he ran harder than I could expect, and I was very pleased with his performance. Yeah, I was there, and it really it gave me chills. I mean, you rated the horse beautifully. Uh, turning for home, just about every horse in the race had a shot at you. They were all within a couple of lengths. Uh, could you feel that you had enough horse under you, or did you really have to get into them to get to that wire on Churchill Downs? Because you did a great job at holding off Union Rags. Yeah, one thing that caught my eye, I mean, I knew that, um, I mean, we we got pressure a little bit, and I knew that the fraction were by no means uh, very slow. And uh, turning for home, I felt like my horse uh, was already pushing himself pretty good, so I wasn't going to expect a, a huge kick after that. And uh, but I was very very pleased and impressed at the same time with uh, how uh, much determination he had. Every time I asked him and every time I urged him, he always had a little extra and he always kept coming. And uh, he um, he really wants to do it. He's a racehorse. Well, we're going to skip over the Florida race because I really think that uh, the stumble at the gate and him being on the muscle, uh, obviously uh, the adrenaline got pumping and it may have t- taken something out of him. But the uh, the Gotham was a whole nother story, Ramon. Um, tell us what some of the subtle differences were with Hanson in that race. It was the first time he had ever really been been rated. Obviously, the post position may have something to do with that. Could you kind of describe the race for us and any changes that went into getting him to the winner's circle? Sure. I mean, I tell you why. I do have to give all the credit in the world to Mike Maker and his team because uh, they did an outstanding job. Um, getting his horse to switch off. Um, he, he 
he was a totally different horse, and you could tell uh, just maybe his behavior even in the paddock. You know, he was so calm. Um, they did a couple uh, equipment changes. They took the blinkers off, and I believe they put a different bit. And uh, I'm not really, I mean, at this point, it will be pure speculation for my part to tell you what really was the change that made the trick or did the trick. Um, but um, the whole was just a totally different horse, and uh, I was really happy in the post play um, as to how well he was behaving. Um, I know that I look in paper, and I mean, of course, they all reflect how uh, much the best he looked. Um, but at the same time, I knew that if he brought his same game that he had in the Hollywood, uh, as far as being too intense, uh, it was not going to be easy to do to, to two turns and win the race. And uh, this horse, um, <clears throat> as you say, came out of an outside pause, um, pretty wide going into the first turn. And uh, well, I was what was more. The most pleasing to me is the fact that he didn't make the lead, and uh, for the first time he he was able to wait off a couple horses in the backside, and um, and he did uh, very well. And when it was time to go, he uh, I had so much horse because he really relaxed throughout the whole race, and uh, it was just a different dimension. I was very very happy with him. Well, I sure hope I can get you a mile and a quarter on the first Saturday in May. I'll ask you about one more uh, mare or filly that you ride, and. Uh, and and, that, and then I'll let you go, Ramon. This week, uh, you are not going to be going into uh, New Orleans in a Cadillac. You're going to be going in on a Rolls Royce. It, it looks like Larry Jones has Arveda Grace really sitting on go off of the Breeders' Cup Classic. Are, are you you're, you're looking forward to the New Orleans ladies uh, this weekend? Very much so, very much so. I mean, he's, this really is, uh, she's great and... I'm really looking forward to riding her because she's also a filly that she, she she went through a big change from three to four, and now I think that she will be even bigger and stronger. And uh, as you mentioned, uh, Larry Jones um, uh, is a trainer, and, and he has been known to, to really have them ready, especially off the layoff, and uh, I'm sure she will bring her A game, and uh, I'm, I really can't wait for Saturday. Well, she's uh, she's going to bring her A game, and uh, I'm sure uh, that uh, uh, some airline's going to bring the A jockey in, in Ramon Dominguez. Ramon, it's been an absolute uh, pleasure talking with you today. I want to congratulate you uh, on your award-winning season last year, and uh, long may you ride, my friend. Thank you very much, John. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was Eclipse Award-winning rider Ramon Dominguez, a guy you're going to hear plenty of in the future. Well, coming up next, Les Instone is going to be with us. Uh, Les, an outstanding handicapper from the Lexington area. We're going to break down the action on winningponies.com. <laughs> Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Fantasy sports is where the action really is. Over 40 million people play fantasy sports, but rarely do they get to quiz the experts. Fantasy Insights is the name and the game. 
Tune in every week as Dish Adams and his guests clue you in on the fantasy football game, what's happening on and off the field, and how it will affect your fantasy team. These experts aren't just beat writers assigned to fantasy football. They live and breathe the game. Tune in to Fantasy Insights with Dish Adams every Thursday afternoon at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Sports. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form, the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry, let winningponies.com make some money for you. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, welcome back. And now we're getting to the portion of the show where we're going to talk a few more X's and O's about handicapping horses and bringing on with me is one of my favorite handicappers. Uh, If you've gone down to Keenan for some of the uh, weekend morning handicapping seminars, the guy with the microphone well could have been less in stone. Uh, Originally, he got into the thoroughbred industry in 84 as a handicapper and a horse owner. Uh, He's from the Windy City, but he went to Georgetown College and fell in love with the bluegrass, never got out of central Kentucky. Uh, right now, uh, Les is the VIP customer service manager with TwinSpires.com, the online wagering service. And uh, he previously has done a little bit of everything, held positions with uh, Bloodstock Research Information, uh, Brisbat. Uh, he's also worked for two years, actually, at Merhaven Farm in Lexington. Like I said, uh, he's been conducting seminars since 1984. Les might be dating himself in his bio a little bit there. Uh, but uh, he's been doing that uh, for 13 years. I also will do tour groups at Keeneland and other events such as the Derby and the Breeders' Cup. You'll catch him on different sports talk radio shows, the handicapping show on bloodhorse.com. And uh, sometimes he was the uh, substitute announcer for post-time race results radio show on W. LXG 1300 AM. With me now, Les Instone. Les, how we doing, my friend? Hello, John. How you doing? I'm doing okay. I, uh, I glad, just want to say that having your time. having your last guest, Raymond Dominguez. If anybody yes. goes to the track and doesn't take a double look at any horse he rides, it's just nuts. Because <laughs> he's a yeah. Great well, guy. you know, you know, I, I asked him. Uh, you know, I gave him a chance to toot his horn about his jump from 1966 to only in about a five-year span becoming the country's winningest jockey, and he gave all the credit to his agent. So, as you know, those are the guys. you got to have the talent, but you got to have the guy that puts you on the right horse, too. So, obviously, uh, you're right. You want to look at anything Dominguez is on at any track he's riding. So Now, Les, uh, I, I know that you came and you fell in love uh, with uh, the bluegrass region, but uh, were you involved in, in racing at a younger age up in Chicago? What, what got the hook in you? 
No, my well, my dad took me to Hawthorne and Arlington and Old Washington Park before it burned down. Now, now I am dating myself because that was around 1970 when it burned down. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. You're you're talking to an old timer here too. Uh, so, uh, out out of Georgetown, how did you manage? Uh, you know, the hardest part for people that love this game is actually finding a, a job in it. How did you manage to? Well, I you know I followed racing and and always uh, <laughs> took part in in the wagering end. <laughs> uh, matter of fact, before there was simulcasting, my boss's wife uh, used to take my bets to Keeneland or Church of Downs for me, and I'd bring her a form in the morning drop it off with my bets, and we settle up the next day. <laughs> Very good. There's nothing wrong with that. I know I used to sneak out of work early up in Albany, New York, and uh, I don't think there was anybody in an office in Albany, New York, in the month of August after noon on Fridays. But <laughs> you, you had to get up to the spa. You know, there's nothing like it uh, once you get the hook. Um, That's right. Now, uh, now, since then, though, I mean, uh, you, you – uh, You've never lost your love uh, for handicapping. I know you're not shy about uh, taking place in uh, regional handicapping contests. Right. As a matter of fact, I just came back from the Horse Player World Series in Vegas, and uh, I qualified through an online satellite, so I saved about a $1,000 entry fee. <laughs> Very nice. You're a wise man. Now, that's money you could bet at a racetrack somewhere, Les. That's correct. <laughs> So, well, you, your approach to handicapping, do, do you have a style? Are you a speed figure guy? Are you a trip handicapper? Uh, um, what's the method to your madness? I'd say I'm more of a trip handicapper, but I also look at trainer and jockey stats, very strong on that. And I look at uh, the track bias, you know, for the last week or so, because different tracks play differently, and especially when you got uh, poly track versus real dirt. Uh, and turf courses, of course. So you got to look at and see how the track's been playing. Years ago, before uh, Keeneland had poly track, we used to have that uh, inner belt, <laughs> conveyor belt that we used to call the escalator it. Escalator on the inside. Yeah, just go to the front and get out the rail, and you won the race. But you know those days are gone since we have poly track now at, at Keeneland. Well, I know, you know, I, I picked you because because I, I know you're an avid handicapper. And I'll tell you what, I, I had a hard time finding races this week. And it wasn't because of, uh, of uh, there weren't graded stakes races. It's because so many of them um, have short fields. And I really like to give the Winning Ponies listeners, you know, something they can get their teeth into. I'll just start off, for example, of the New Orleans ladies. You get uh, Arveda Grace in there, and she's going to scare everybody and her brother out, out of the race. Uh, this looks like a, uh, it's going to be a public workout. That's correct. And, and it probably is for her, uh, in this case. And if you do want to bet the race, you know, I might look at an exacta and I like, uh, Sterling Madam as, uh, as maybe running in the exacta. It might only be $4, but it's a winning bet. Hey, speed on the rail. And let me tell you, if you look down on the ground right now and saw four bucks, would you pick it up? Hell yeah. <laughs> you know, that's my philosophy when people complain about favorites. I'm like, well, then double your bet. Triple your bet. Don't just say, yeah, right. you're only giving me chalk. Um, favorites win uh, a third again, of the time. Looking, looking at the races this week, uh, one of the more interesting races might not even be a stake. It might be the third race at Gulfstream Park tomorrow. Uh, there had to be some prizes when they opened up the overnight and found Kentucky Jockey Club winner Gemologist. 
and uh, hopeful stakes winner currency swap in an allowance race at Gulfstream. And the race was probably written for them, you know, to give them a little tune-up because gemologists wanted to run in the Rebel but uh, had transportation problems coming back from Oakland. So uh, they decided to run in this since the racing secretary was so uh, nice in writing a race for them. <laughs> yeah, but I, I wonder if uh, if, they, if uh, Todd Fletcher thought it was getting r- written for him and then all of a sudden uh, Terry Pompey shows up with currency swap. This is no walkover. <laughs> right now, currency swap's listed at 9 to 5, gemologist at 8 to 5. I want to remind people this will be the third race at Gulfstream tomorrow, so if you get a chance to get to a track or, or, or an OTV parlor, I'd strongly suggest it. Quite frankly, uh, people were asking me earlier in the year, you know, who are your derby picks? And uh, I came down to three horses. I came down to uh, Union Rags, Hanson, and Gemologist. I was there when he broke his maiden. Very impressed. Uh, they came right back in, in the, the prep for the Kentucky Jockey Club. And then he, you know, over the strip of Churchill Downs, he won looking like a good thing. And he wasn't favored to do so that day. Uh, right now, he's he's in my top three. We'll we'll see what happens after about three o'clock tomorrow afternoon. But uh, th- yeah. those are some races that that we won't be uh, that we won't be playing. Um, what do you say we uh, we take a little trip to uh, to Hot Springs, go to Oaklawn Park, and uh, we go to a race that's called the Rebel. Uh, it probably could be called the Southwest Park Two. That's right. And uh, Secret Circle was just awesome in that last race for uh, second time out this year. But South or uh, Secret Circle are really a nice, nice horse. I noticed this last I was reading uh a, a release yet uh, yesterday and that uh Secret Circle and Castaway, now they each won their divisions of the Southwest. Uh they both worked together and they were both scheduled to Come into Hot Springs, but I noted that Castaway is not entered, and uh, and that Bayerano committed himself to Secret Circle. Have you heard anything that they've decided to go in, in another direction with Castaway? I have not heard where he's going to run next. I don't know if he didn't get on the plane or or what, but you know, all year long I've been you know calling them the killer bees. They're unbelievable. Baffert and Bayerano, uh, they've just hey, been yeah. dominating. <laughs> now there will be you know the, the uh, I think the mystery horse in here, obviously, you've you've already got a good feel, and people can go to Kiosk and take a look at the Southwest and uh, Secret Circle. While he did kind of drift in a little bit, uh, Scatman was right there. He's going to be back in this race. It really came down to a two-horse race. Uh, I think the fly in the ointment in here could be Saber Cat, or is Asmussen just kind of using this as a tune-up? Well, Saber Cat won the uh, Delta Jackpot, and that was his third win in a row. Uh, I don't know where he's going to go. I'm, I just don't know if that race is going to set him up for this. Uh, horse I like in here is Scatman, who might be going for the early lead and uh, just got caught in the other division of the Southwest last time out. Well, that would be great for Mike Lauer. He's a guy that raced around these parts, and uh, I'd really be happy to, to see him win. I, again, only a half a link separated him, but, boy, this time of year, Baffert and Bayerano, they are so tough. But I will say this, off that effort and with the conditions of this race, Secret Circle is going to have to pick up four pounds off Scatman. And I don't think the four pounds is that much. One thing I do like about the horse is that uh, he was the number one or the most expensive two-year-old 
my Eddington last year uh, in the public sales. And that uh, says a lot when you're the number one horse sold by out of a stallion. <laughs> yeah. The highest price. So, so, something looked awful good. I, I think uh, good. another horse that just looking at here a, a little bit is this Antigon. You know, Kenny McPeak, he's really been flying under the radar. He doesn't really have any big three-year-olds, though. This horse ran a bang-up race in the Tampa Bay Derby, running second this week. Uh, this Antigon, uh, I think, is the only horse that's that's won over the Oakland Strip and is won at today's distance, a mile and a sixteenth. And I like Kenny's a very, very good trainer. And uh, I, I think this horse is improving. Didn't run very well when fifth to gemologist. But uh, this horse is still growing, and, and that's the thing about all these three-year-olds. They can change a lot in just a couple of weeks. Well, he's going to have to get some graded stakes races, uh, races under his belt pretty quick. I'll tell you what, that's let's move on. There is another race on the card of interest here, a race that most people thought Arve de Grace was going to be in, and that is the Azari, the grade three at Oaklawn. It'll be the eighth race. Again, only five showed up. But, man, it's really talent-laden. I think a lot of people thought, uh, you know, uh, Larry Jones is trying to keep his horses apart. Uh, he's got joyful victory in here. But this race is no walkover for that four-year-old Tappet Philly. No, it isn't. Uh, I like uh, Absence-Minded and Tismiz Sue in here. Uh, it, it's really a tough five-horse field. And it's a race that Hopper DeGrace won last year. Right, and that's why most people thought that, that she was going to go that way, although they do say, and, and I'm sure Larry you know, is friends with all the racing secretaries, and uh, he, he may want to make sure that she makes an appearance at Oaklawn. Obviously, she loves Oaklawn Park, that, that she may show up in the apple blossom. It'll just be interesting to see if she, she shows up against her own stablemate, Joyful Victory. But Joyful Victory will have to, like you said, run a bang-up race. You, you look at this absence-minded. Last year, she ducked nobody. I mean, she raced against uh, the, the horse of the year on several occasions, uh, blind luck. I mean, uh, she, she's a, a tough, tough uh, mare. She loves Oaklawn Park. It, it's going to be, like I said, it's a short field. It's going to be an interesting race. I wouldn't put a ring around anybody at this time. Well, here's what we're going to do. I'm talking with Les Instone, a professional handicapper from uh, Lexington, Kentucky. We're going to take a little bit of break here, and then we're going to come back and get a little sunshine on our face down at Gulfstream Park. You're tuned in to winningponies.com. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form, the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry, let winningponies.com make some money for you. This week on The Revolution with Jim and Trav, brought to you by Whitetails Extreme. It's spring turkey hunting this week on The Revolution. We've got master turkey hunter Wade Bourne, Winchester Ammo's Brad Kreiner, Scott Carlson to talk about turkey chunk tubes, and turkey calling great Jesse Martin, all brought to you by Ram Trucks at ramtrucks.com. Wednesdays at 1 Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. I'm Jim Ferguson. I'll see you on the trail. 
your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. And Les Instone from Lexington, Kentucky. And we're looking at the races here on Winning Ponies for you. Right now, uh, one of, I would have to say, the hardest races to handicap of the weekend, which means somewhere in here there's a lot of value. Uh, the favorite on the, uh, the race is the inside information. It's a grade two. We're going seven furlongs. The favorite breaking from the outside is her smile. You like it when the favorite is three to one. I mean, that tells you that, uh, you know, a bet on the favorite is going to bring you back $8. So what that also tells me is there's no clear-cut favorite at all. I think there's a good opportunity to, to, to cash, you know, maybe a try or if you're a $0.10 cent super player. There's plenty of horses in here to like less, don't you think? Oh, there are. Um, some wide-open race. And, again, like you said, uh, you can get some value in a race like this. Well, you know, I see, you know, one name that pops up in a lot of horses running lines is Our Holiday Mood, uh, who won at Gulfstream going six and a half, wire to wire, but that was one hard fought race. Uh, was never more than a half a length away from a horse. Was on the lead the whole time, had to be challenged every step of the way. John Velasquez, the rider, Todd Pletcher, the trainer, can, uh, this trippy filly do it again? And by the way, Les gave us a weather report. Might be some rain, which could change the complexion of this race. And uh, our holiday mood, well, Johnny V is a good rider. He knows how to set a good pace when he's got a, a front runner, like our holiday mood will probably be in this race. So uh, he knows what he's doing. I think she sets all the pace, and they're going to come right at her, and he'll just open her up a little bit, and they'll come at her again, and he'll open up a little bit. <laughs> Well, I'm trying and to look at the horses that, that, that ran against her last time, and uh, certainly you have you have Funny Sonny, uh, who you know is mostly a sprinter. Kent DeSormo is going to come in, uh, except for her maiden race is the only jockey that's been on her. Uh, I like the fact that she's raced four times at Gulfstream Park, has two wins and two seconds. It's, I guess this was the horse that was sitting right on the shoulder of our holiday mood the whole way around because you look at it, and there's twos uh, across the board. And then what's interesting is you, you have her smile ran third in that race. Why does her smile get favoritism as she was favored in that last stake? And maybe that's what they're looking at is that she was favored last time out. She was a million-dollar uh, weanling when she was sold in public auction. Uh, hopefully she'll earn her money back. She's earned almost half of it back already, but her smile looks really nice. And and don't forget that last time out, that was her first start since the Breeders' Cup Billion Mare Sprint. I, I, I find this, uh, yeah, I mean, she she did run in the Breeders' Cup Billion Mare Sprint, uh, a good race from far back against Musical Romance. Um, I'm scratching my head. I don't know if you got any inside information. This horse, uh, through 
most of 2011 was trained by Todd Fletcher, and now there's been a, a trainer switch to Chad Brown. Have you heard anything? I don't know, you know, what caused the switch. I I don't know if uh, Stronach Stables has owned it all that time or not, or if it was sold. Well, either way, folks, if you want to spread some money around the tenth at Gulfstream on Saturday, the inside information uh, is the one to do it. We're looking at Funny Sunny, Our Holiday Mood, uh, Her Smile, and probably you know another horse that's uh, you know legit uh, that uh, could be rounding into form would be Groupie Doll, a Buff Bradley horse. Uh, either way, the odds are good, and hopefully we put you on a winner. Well. We've got about four minutes left, and that's going to give us the time to break down a race on Sunday. So for those of you that are going to be at the track with a Bloody Mary recuperating from Patrick's Day, uh, this would be you know, a, a fun race to handicap. Uh, the Honey Fox is a grade two. It's going a mile. Maybe going on the turf, may not. You know, our uh, media urologist, uh, Les, tells us it could be some rain. So uh, that could change some things up. But let's just say this horse race is going on the grass. Les Instone, who you like? Well, I like Wilma Kaka, who's going to probably be the pace setter, as she usually is. But at a price, I like uh, Future Generation, who uh, won a uh, optional claimer at Gulfstream Park, going a mile the same distance, and racing Europe before that over a soft and yielding turf course. And I think you might give the nod to uh, future generation at a price. Yeah, you know, you kind of stole my thunder there. I was thinking the same thing. This horse, uh, she's she's a a four-year-old Irish bred, so you know that they train and race on soft and yielding courses. As a matter of fact, I see wins on a yielding, uh, a game second and a grade three on a soft turf course, just missed on a good turf course in its last race uh, before it shipped to Europe into Christophe Clement's barn, and we know what a great job he does uh, with these uh, with these European horses. That one start, it was at Gulfstream. It was in an optional claimer. Uh, you know, obviously, probably set up as a prep for the Honey Fox, and that was very impressive. Uh, Rajiv Marat uh, rode that day. He's back to ride. And when you look at the travel line, it says waited until the quarter pole and finished willingly. Uh, for a lot of reasons, and I pray this race is on the turf, I, too, like future generation. Um, some interesting uh, horses maybe to, to, to put in underneath. A horse I, I really loved that just tailed off was Tappet's Fly. And I'm just hoping that maybe we can throw out its last season. And uh, she, for Dale Romans, put in a good return race last time. Got a 90 buyer and a, and a grade three. Um, I just don't know if her best races were in the past. you, you got to go back to uh, 2009. And uh, she won the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Philly Turf. Uh, she might be one that you could get some odds on and not throw out. Then you got Bay to Bay, who's training well, and the reform claimer, Ramakaka, who uh, is definitely better at this distance than the Sunshine Millions uh, Philly and Mare. And Tappet's fine. Note that uh, Julian Leperoux changed of rider, and Julian was the last uh, docky to win on Tappet's fine. Whoa! Isn't that interesting? Yeah, an optional claimer at Gulfstream Park. Going a mile and a sixteenth on the turf. Well, this horse has one at a mile, so uh, you know 
it should not uh, be a problem. And, yeah, Julian's one of those guys like uh, Dominguez that you've always got to keep an eye out for. Well, all right. Well, we've given you plenty of options here, folks. And uh, I want to thank Les Instone for joining us on winningponies.com. Remember, if any of your friends want to listen to who our selections were, these shows are all on podcast. Les, thanks so much for joining us tonight on Winning Ponies. Enjoyed it. Have a great weekend, and hope everybody uh, has some winners this weekend. I hope so, too, and I've got to say goodbye to the only guy that was on my former television show that wore a woman's wig. Less in stone, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> from Lexington, Kentucky. Well, that rounds out this week's edition. We hope you put you on some winners. I really enjoyed uh, the time we spent with uh, Ramon Dominguez. I want to wish everybody a fine and happy St. Patrick's Day on Saturday. And remember, if you drink like a fish, swim, don't drive. From atop the grandstand, overlooking the turf course past the Ohio River to the hills of Kentucky, I'm your host, John Engelhart. Remember, bet with your head, not over it. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Network.